We love jewelry, but what we love even more is jewelry that is sustainable and good for our planet. Coco in Eden is committed to making beautiful pieces that are not only stunning for you, but are environmentally friendly. We love that Coco in Eden is 100% carbon neutral, meaning the company produces oxygen equivalent to the amount of CO2 it produces. Another thing we love about Coco in Eden is that their jewelry is built to last. Every piece is anti-tarnish, waterproof, hypoallergenic, and comes with a two-year guarantee. Mel and I both have Coco and Eden jewelry and we adore our pieces. Mel's necklace is stunning. I'm actually really jealous of it. And my bracelet and my ring, they're two of my favorite accessories. These pieces are beautifully made, fairly priced, and help our planet. What more could you want? Visit CocoandEden.com. That's C-O-C-O-A-N-D-E-D-E-N.com and use the code TRUEGIRLS20 at checkout for 20% off your order today. Do you love podcasts? Do you have an idea for a podcast you think the world should hear? Then head to Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is an easy way to produce, promote, and track the success of your podcast. We use Buzzsprout for True Girls and absolutely love it. Buzzsprout walked us step-by-step through the process of getting our podcast up and running and also helped us get listed on major directories like iTunes and Spotify. I'm honestly shocked at how smooth and user-friendly the process of getting this podcast up and running was. Follow the link in our show notes to let Buzzsprout know we sent you. You'll get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and you help support our show. Check out Buzzsprout today to make your amazing podcast idea a reality. Welcome to True Girls, the podcast where two girlfriends tell you the true stories of fascinating women, both past and present. Stay true. Welcome to True Girls. That sounded dumb. True Girls. (laughs) Who needs an intro when you have Mel doing a little ditty she created on the spot? So we are, we just want to start by saying we're so, so sorry we didn't bring you an episode last week. Both Mel and I were just really overwhelmed with our jobs and our lives and we just didn't have the time or frankly the mental stamina to record. Uh, But we're back, refreshed, and we're hoping that we can keep bringing you these stories of amazing and interesting women every week. That is the plan. That is the hope. Yes. And if one doesn't come out, just assume that our lives were a little crazy. Or I'm dead. (laughs) I don't know what to say. (laughs) I would probably Uh, put something out and be like, hello, everyone. (laughs) Melinda has died. I don't even want to think about go. it. Okay, okay, we're moving I'm hormonal on. and pregnant. I can't <laughs> think about that kind okay, of stuff. Okay, I'm not going to die. I'll be fine. <clears throat> knock, um. on, knock on the wood. Thank you. Knock. Knock on I'm really, like, superstitious <laughs> about that kind of stuff. I really get... Ugh, I make Trey knock on wood all the time, and he really he hates it. Stuff like that. Because <laughs> he's not superstitious at all, and yeah. all, he'll say something, and I'm like, you just jinxed us. Knock on wood. <laughs> and he's like, this is dumb. And I'm like, no, you have to do it. It was in the marriage vows. I'm like that at work or like 
at, like during shows. I if like someone said that, I'm like, you better knock on wood. Like if someone's like, oh, what if I broke my ankle? I'd be like, you knock on wood right now. I have my thing that I'm super, super superstitious with regarding shows is like my um, getting ready routine. Mm-hmm. And the order that I get ready and like the order I put my makeup on and I put my wig and my costume on and all that. And like the order I do my pre-show check to make sure I have all my props and everything ready to go. Mm-hmm. I'm very superstitious about it. Yeah. And I feel like if I miss something or I miss a step that my whole entire show is going to be duty. I'm like, that. I'm like that too in a way. Like I don't, I'm not at that. Like, you know, it's not necessarily about how I put stuff on, but if like, if I'm going on, like, for rent, I was all, like, first of all, like, I played Maureen, so I had nothing to do for, like, the entire first act. Yeah. <laughs> until my my song. So, until <clears throat> Over the Moon. And that song gave me such anxiety. And so, like, at first, when I wasn't as confident in it, I would, like, I'd have to do the whole thing in, like, the back of the shop, like, before actually going on and doing it. And then even when I got comfortable, I felt like it was you just my routine. Anyway. So yeah. I had to do it anyway. So literally, <laughs> all the cast members would be, like, they'd be walking by my little corner in the back, like, you okay? And I'm like, shh. I had to do that with... Um, I have to start all over. With History of Wrong Guys and Kinky Boots because I yeah. was always... I was always so... Because con- the thing about that song, too, is that it's melodically the same throughout the whole song, but the lyrics change mm-hmm. very slightly like they're like, like in the yeah. in the choruses so I always felt like I had to run through at least the lyrics just to make sure I had them in mm-hmm. my head and I'm sure I did but it, yeah by the end of the run it was like well I've done this every show so I'm just gonna keep running through it before I go out yeah on stage it's just <clears throat> yeah you find like your little quirks in a show and yep and I'm like I have to do that every time now otherwise I know the one time I don't do it I'm gonna I'm gonna have it up yeah, I feel like with Wedding Singer, with this past show, I wasn't like that as much, though, because mm-hmm. of being pregnant. Every time I was off stage, I was just, like, zombified. Right. And, you yeah. know, I had – so by the end of the show, I had a yoga ball chair that I sat on in the dressing room because uh-huh. that's – it's really one of the only things that's, like, truly comfortable, comfortable for me to sit on. Yeah. And then I had uh, – I spent a lot of – my dressing room was stage right, but I spent a lot of time in the stage left wing. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, it's one of those things where I wouldn't have enough time to like go totally. down all the way through the basement up right. to stage right. I would have to just hang out on stage mm-hmm. left. And so I had a yoga ball chair that was spiked with my name in Love the stage that. left wing that I would sit on <laughs> um, while I waited to go on stage. Yeah. And I would just sit there kind of like either A, zoned out or B, like mm-hmm. bouncing and scooting around because it had wheels on it. And oh, so yeah. I would yeah, just like zip around the wing it's waiting to go on. one of those ones on. that we used for Elf when, yeah. we were, when we had to make the elves short behind their desks. Yeah. So we, we just sat on these little roly yoga ball things. We always joked that, um, so that I would like, I should just do the whole show from the yoga ball and just like roll <laughs> myself on stage and do all of my stuff, all of my oh, stuff from, from the yoga ball. Um, but I love it so yeah. much that I now have one because there were like six of them yeah in storage so I now have one of them in my living room yeah. and that's where I do the majority of my work from I love because that because it's it's just really comfy because it like mm-hmm. it provides enough cushion that that the pressure is like taken off of my right like your my spine, spine and my hips and everything mm-hmm. but it also has enough give to where like I'm yeah. comfortable well it's funny because you see those like new like workspaces like, that are, like, into, like, you know, having, like, all the ergonomically yeah. correct chairs and things like that. And they have these, like, 
A lot of them sit on those big yoga ball chairs. They're really comfy. It's so weird to me. It's probably like, it would look ridiculous at the theater to have in my office. But like, there's like, there's actual like chiropractic studies about like those chairs being like, if you have a desk job and you're sitting for hours to like use those type of chairs. Yeah. Well, I was talking to my um, boss about it as well because we know we do these little weekly catch-up sessions Mm -hmm. that are meetings, but also like her and I just kind of kiki about everything that's going on in our lives. And I was telling her like one of the hard parts of having a desk job right now is I get uncomfortable Mm -hmm. very quickly. Yeah. Um, I'm having to move around a lot. I'm having to like stand up and walk around every so often. And she Mm -hmm. was like, oh, well, like we may be able to like get the company to to help fund a standing desk for you. And I was like, oh my gosh, that would be... Those are cool. I would love a standing desk. Even like one of the ones that they make the ones that are adjustable. Well, because I have a laptop, too. so it doesn't even need to be an adjustable one. Just right. like a higher table that I can put my computer on right. and just stand there and work would be yeah, so great because I hate spending most of my day sitting down. Yeah. But also coming from being a teacher where I literally spent my entire day mm-hmm. standing and walking and moving yeah. to a sedentary desk job was mm-hmm. a really weird yeah transition I um I've always had kind of weird back problems and uh I I'm not used to having a desk job either until I started working at the theater and now I have a desk job where I'm there for like eight to twelve hours you know depending on what's going on and so it's like um my I went to my chiropractor last week he's like yeah I'm gonna need to see you every week for about a month Mm -hmm. until we can fix it (laughs) Yeah, once this baby comes out, so, I'm going to the chiropractor. Like and I'm getting a massage, and I'm getting my hair done, I'm getting Sounds my amazing. nails done. There's a lot that's going to happen, happen. <laughs> in, in like late September, early October. Because yeah, like, I'm sure the first month that the baby's here, I'm going to be, you know, and around. And just, you're also not going to want to leave it. I'm not going to want to leave. Yeah. I'm not going to want to leave him. I'm just going to be like cooped up mm-hmm. in my house. I said it. You did say it. it. I did acknowledge it. Because sometimes I forget that we know that we know the the gender. gender. So I just say it. But yeah, yeah. No, I noticed it. I'm just gonna play this for him one day. Like, you want to hear what Auntie Mel Mel called you? It's fine. He's the we. But we all know who his favorite is gonna be. I know, and Ben's gonna hate it. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna gonna be be Melinda's husband, Benny, because um, first of all, Benny keeps saying. He's excited for the baby to be born because that means that everyone will be focused on the baby and he can spend more time with my dog, which frankly, she's going to need the attention. So I'm fine with that. Yeah. But what that means is he's a liar. He's no, it means that he's the one the baby's going to want to be with. Oh yeah. All the time. time. The baby's going to be like, Uncle Benny. Yeah. Like that. I don't know. Ben always says that he doesn't like kids, but he's so good with them. I think it's a facade. So it's like really funny. Yeah, I don't think he's, I think he's like, doesn't like, he doesn't like to be soft. You but know he's what pretty I mean? good with everyone. But I mean, he is. Generally. Until you piss him off. Then he's like a power keg. I literally, with, of words. One of my vernacular. biggest fears in life is to make Benny angry. I was remember telling. That time, remember that time you guys got in a fight? I was, in, who was I talking to? I was talking to someone yesterday and I told them, I said, I got in a fight with Benny one time. It was in the M&M store in oh New York God, City. Oh my God, it was the worst. It was so bad. Because, worst experience of my well, life. Well, because the thing is, we're, we're very, very similar in that we're both highly sensitive mm-hmm. and we have a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. So that means that we react to situations very emotionally. Mm-hmm. We feel things very deeply. Small triggers. We have small triggers. Mm-hmm. And so... 
when two of these types of people <laughs> both get upset over something. It was like the problem of- is, the problem is, <laughs> there was no actual fighting involved. It was, it was just this, it was, we're not speaking to each other. It was like this mutual, <laughs> we will not speak to each other over one tiny ass little thing. It was you like, went one way, he went the other, Trey and I were like, <laughs> then we just followed our, our partners. And then like, we came back and we were like, are they okay? think they're okay but i will say we everything was resolved by the time we left really funny the m&m store um but it was it was contentious in that chocolatey world i was like wow (laughs) i never knew that i could feel so much tension in the candy store yeah yeah well because my thing is like when i get i don't get mad often but when i get Mm -hmm. mad it is like this quiet Mm -hmm. furious rage yeah where i just kind of seethe that's how he is yeah, yeah it's and, the same thing. But I think because we recognize that in mm-hmm. each other and in ourselves, mm-hmm. we knew the best thing for us to do <laughs> was, was to walk away. Yeah. And to like regain our composure and uh-huh. basically to put the situation into perspective. Yeah. Meaning it was not a big deal at all, yet we somehow managed to make it into this like ridiculous thing. I, thing. I don't even remember what it was. We were like in line to go into the store. And, and I like, said something to him and he turned and he was like, don't yell at me. And I, I know. Like, and I was like... I was like, I'm not yelling. We're in Times Square. It's loud. And I was like, and I thought he was kidding. So I said something like, no, when you say stuff like that, it makes me feel bad. Like it doesn't come off as a joke to me. And he was like, it's not a joke. And I was like, well, what is, and that's when I like, my quiet seething rage started. And so I just walked away. I was like, what is going on? Yeah. Because he really genuinely thought I yelled at him and was like yelling at him. Right. When in reality, it was like, we had the noise from the M&M store coming at us through the door. We had the, Times Square noise coming at us from behind. So, mm-hmm. like, I was just talking loudly <laughs> so that he could hear me. Oh, um, that was so weird. It, yeah. But we were fine. But then I was telling them, too. First of all, I just think it's really funny that we got into a fight in the M&M store. I know. <laughs> in New York City. But the other thing is that we started playing. Um, do you remember this? We played M&M roulette where he got a bag of entirely oh, green yes. M&Ms mm-hmm. and half were peanut butter. And half, and half like were like the thin mint ones. The mint or like and the... you would have to take like mm-hmm. two at a time and see what combination <laughs> you would get. Like would you get yeah. a peanut butter combo, mint <laughs> combo, or the peanut mint combo. Is that the same day when those people were breaking up behind us and I think that was the same day. That was day. the same day we went to the Cheesecake Factory <laughs> and oh my gosh I had forgotten about that. We went to the Cheesecake Factory after we saw... Little Shop of Horrors, I think. Or was it... Was that a different night? I don't night? remember. I don't remember what show we saw before that. I just remember we went to Junior's and... And this couple... <laughs> oh my gosh. First of all, let me say this about about no, the situation. It was after you guys went to Music Man. It was after Music and Man. We went to, and Trey and I went to drink. <laughs> okay. Good, because that leads me into my next point. Melinda was so freaking drunk... She, like, didn't even realize what was going on. And we were all trying to eavesdrop on this couple that was fighting. And Melinda was, like, having my own conversation with myself. And we were all, like, Melinda, get a coffee. Like I was, like, oh, I didn't realize. She was, like, sobbing. And he was gaslighting her like crazy. He was, like, you know, I'm doing this because of you. Like, this is your fault. You're the reason you're upset. And I was, like. Bro, she's like, you, I just she was like, I just up. she was like, I just really love you. And he was like, no, see, this is you making things harder than they need to be. And like, 
we were all just like, oh yeah. my God. And Melinda's just there drinking her coffee, <laughs> eating her cheesecake. I eventually oblivious. realized that there was a breakup happening and then I was invested, but it did it, take me a while. It took a while because they were so close to us that we couldn't just be like, I think I was, yeah. I but then know. I think I was trying to ignore them because I was like, I don't really know if I want to be in but you this conversation. Too, it was like an hour wait. Yeah. But Benny was really, really nice to the hostess. Oh, she yeah. had just gotten screamed at by yeah. a family. And Benny was like, I'm so sorry. Like, we all come from the service industry. We worked at Walt Disney mm-hmm. World. Like, just know it's not your fault that there's this wait. wait. Yeah. Like, it's all good. And she was like, do you want a table right now? I'll <laughs> you guys right now. And that is how you do it, kids. It was so great. But then afterwards, we were walking back to the hotel. And drunk little Melinda <laughs> was not walking with the group. And would, like, sprint ahead of everybody. And we're like, Melinda, you are a tiny little human being. You can't just sprint away in New York City, <laughs> drunk off your patootie, like, by yourself. You can't. Oh. You can't do yeah. it. Yeah. It was. That it happens. was a time. It was a really good trip, though. It really was. It was a lot of fun. Um, we'll have to do it again. That'll yeah. be Trey and my Because, you know, Trey and I have talked about, like, once the baby's here, mm-hmm. we both want to make sure we're still taking time to be a couple and yeah. focusing on mm-hmm. our relationship. So maybe that can be one of our, like... We should go to Vegas. No. You don't want to go to Vegas? I don't gamble. You don't like Vegas? Well, yeah, no. I know. But we go for shows and stuff. You don't, I'm not a Vegas person. Not really. That's fine. We'll I don't know. Like, well, I mean, it doesn't have to be New York. We could go to Savannah. Right. Like, there's lots of places we could go. But, like, on the places I want yeah. to travel, Vegas is not, It's like, not on there. I love Vegas. That's a really but good yeah. couple trip for you mm-hmm. guys to do. Like, I don't know. Something I love to do. I don't know if you would love to do this. We've never talked about that. But I love, like, getting a cabin in the mountains and just, like... I've always wanted to. Oh, it's so nice where you have just, like, a beautiful picturesque mm-hmm. view and you can just sit there and, like... I would love that. and drink. Ben and would hate it. Really? Ben would hate it. He always has to... Because he needs stuff to do. Well, I mean, like, if you he, go to somewhere, like, around Asheville, there's tons yeah. to do there. You can go to the Biltmore. Like, yeah. there's really, really easy hikes yeah. to, like, waterfalls and stuff. I mean, like, there's... You think Ben's going to hike to a waterfall? When I say easy hike, I mean, like, the trail is paved and you just walk I know. <laughs> like, I mean, we probably would do more walking I would in love a that. city than we would yeah. do, like, in the mountains, truly. Yeah. But, no, if you go to somewhere, like, we went in 20, fall of 2020, mm-hmm. we got a cabin in the mountains and we just hung out up there. And, yeah, like, that sounds amazing. Walked around all the little towns mm-hmm. and... You know, we went to the Biltmore, and it was just really, I solving really nice. again. I love solving. You ever been to solving? We're solving. It's, like, in California. It's in Southern California. It's, like, I don't know, like, 45 minutes outside of L.A.-ish area. Ooh. It's a cute little, like, Dutch town. I love all the little towns in California. Yeah. My senior year of high school, like the summer before my senior year, we Mm -hmm. did a California trip and we were in Northern California. So we went to, uh, we started in San Francisco and we Mm -hmm. did like Segway tours of San Francisco, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And we did Los Altos Hills, Pebble Beach, Carmel, Mm -hmm. Big Sur, which was my favorite. I've never been to Northern California. It was really, really nice. We went to Yosemite, which was... Mm, I've always wanted to go there. Oh my gosh. So that was, I mean, I would love to do that trip again. Oh, and we went to Napa, but because I was 18 at the time, the only Mm -hmm. thing I could try was the grape juice. Right. So I'd love to go back to Napa, non-pregnant. Yeah. And that'd be fun. Do like over 21 and do like a wine tour. Mm -hmm. Because the vineyards are just 
unbelievably beautiful. I pretty much exclusively drink Southern California wine. Yeah. Well, California wine in general, but yeah. Southern, I don't know what it is about the fa- flavor profile in those wines, but we should I probably do... talk about who we're talking about today. That's true. This we is... could talk about wines all day, so we need to get off of this tangent. So, today, <laughs> let's just jump in. Today, we are talking about a woman who spent her life in one of the most mystical and mysterious places. We are talking about Victoria Cristiani Rossi. Mel, can you hit us with our three facts about Victoria? Sure. <clears throat> Number one, Victoria's circus career started at age six. That's impressive. Was she like forced into it or? We'll get there. Okay. Uh, her fam- <laughs> Number two, her family performed with the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. That's cool. That's cool. Those are pretty prominent things. Number three, her family, the Cristiani family, had elephants. Those elephants were featured in the Daredevil Circus that was held at Epcot at Walt Disney World Park in 1987. Yeah. So in order to understand Victoria, you really need to understand her family. So the Cristiani family was originally from Italy. In fact, they were actually descended from Italian royalty. She said her family (gasps) always displayed their crest of arms, like, very Mm -hmm. prominently. Cool. Love it. So... This was a family of performers. I mean, her grandfather, grandmother, her father, all of her aunts and mm-hmm. uncles, everyone, everyone was a circus performer. It's what they did. And they traveled across Europe performing for royalty and at high-class societal events. So in 1929, the American circus suffered a collapse due in large part to the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. So American circuses were forced to search the globe for talent that they could bring in. And that is how the Cristiani family came to America. They were scouted and signed by Ringling. So they came to America in 1934. Uh, this family, they were known mainly for their equestrian act. Um, horses. Horses. So along with the family that consisted of 14 people, our girl Victoria wasn't born yet. Okay. They also brought along their five prize riding act horses. Hey, didn't Cindy used to do that? Yeah, so we have a really, really good friend named Cindy. She's actually the one who um, suggested this episode. She let me borrow her book that she has Mm -hmm. on Victoria. So it was actually Cindy who inspired this. So Cindy used to do that. Yeah, she used to perform in these equestrian acts. She's... She has these really cool pictures of her, like, all Uh decked out in her awesome costumes, literally, like, standing on horses as they run around. Wow. Like it is so, so yeah. cool. So Cindy, we love you. She's also probably one of our most like, she listens to every single episode. Yeah, and the other thing I have to say about Cindy, just on a personal note is Cindy was in the wedding singer with me mm-hmm. and doing a show four months pregnant is not easy. And Cindy was like, she was just there for me the whole time. She always mm-hmm. made sure that I was eating, that I had snacks, that I was sitting down. Like she was the one who went and got the yoga balls that I could sit mm-hmm. on. She was just like always taking care of me. So yeah. Cindy, this episode is dedicated to you because we love you and we, we just have yes. so many wonderful things to say to you. Yes, so 1000%. So anyway, the Christiani family like mm-hmm. Cindy had this equestrian act and her family immediately found success in America, the list of celebrities at the time that her family became close with include Joan Crawford, Clark Gable, Carol Lombard, and they were signed by MGM in 1937 to perform in an 11 minute movie called MGM's The Great Picture, which okay. brought the family coast to coast fame. You can actually find this movie on YouTube. If you search Christiani Family Circus, it's the first result that pops up. That's cool. It's really, really neat. And Victoria was born in. 
1940 in Sarasota, Florida. And so her family was already big at the time. Like they were established Mm -hmm. in America. Okay. Victoria's parents are very impressive people. Her father, Oscar, spoke five languages and from a young age performed incredible equestrian stunts with his siblings. Her mother, Marion, was born to Norwegian parents and she was raised in Oregon. At age eight, Marion caught diphtheria and scarlet Mm. fever, which at the time was a fatal combination. But she somehow survived, and she became a professionally trained ballerina. Victoria's parents met because in 1937, her mother auditioned to be a performer in the same circus her father, a.k.a. Victoria's father, was performing in. That's so cute. I included this little story because I feel like it's just this adorable little meet cute. Yeah. Like, Like, where's the movie? Literally. About these two. Water for elephants. Is that what that's about? I've never seen that movie. (laughs) I haven't either. (laughs) Um... But I was, like, thinking about it in my head as I was reading her autobiography yeah. and, like, how much of it I could find reflected yeah. in the autobiography. From a young age, Victoria was enamored with her family and their equestrian act. In her biography, she writes about watching her family perform and being so eager to watch them. And she would just watch them bring this, uh, bring the horses into the tent, and it was just, like, a magical thing for her. So in 1946, the Christiani family broke from the Ringling Circus and they joined the Kentucky-based Cole Brothers Circus, which was a circus that traveled via the railroads. And this is when Victoria says her fam- her family's act truly peaked. She fondly hmm. recalls this time. That is, until she was sent to Cardam Academy, a boarding school located in Georgetown, Kentucky. No. So it was near her family, who were based in Louisville, that Victoria says of the experience... The thought of leaving my parents' nest to start school in a very strange environment was quite traumatic. Yeah. I mean, you were basically born, like, into this, like, traveling and going all these places, and now they're, like, now you have to, like, a boarding school. Like, because a boarding school is, like, they have housing. Like, you're literally there. Like, the only thing you do is go to your dorm, go to class, and that's it, you know? Yeah. It had to have been a culture shock for her. Huge culture shock. And she goes off to this boarding school, and while she's there, she takes every opportunity to study the circus, as she says, with near mystical reverence. This boarding school is not a happy experience for Victoria. She went from living in this brightly colored, magical environment Mm -hmm. to a dark, bleak, nun-driven environment with little brightness and happiness. She felt very lonely and out of place, and her refuge was a wooded hollow just beyond the playground. She lived for phone calls with her parents and letters from her mother. And then, luckily, the summer she got to go back to the circus and spend yeah, you know, the summer with her family. Her. That's cool. Mm-hmm. The summer after her first year of boarding school was, in a word, magical. In her biography, Victoria describes running around the circus and exploring, watching the elephants bathe themselves. <laughs> you know, they would shower so her with water as she would <laughs> stand there. She talks about seeing the clowns preparing to perform, watching the sparkly and beautiful costumes shimmer under the lights. I mean, it's her description of this time is just Uh so poetic and it's literally like a montage in a movie. I can't imagine what it would what it's like to be a kid growing up like that. Like in that kind of a spectacle. Right? I mean, if anything, is that it's just such a complete departure from the rigidity of the boarding school where she had spent Mm -hmm. the year. One thing Victoria loved watching was the makeup process. She loved watching people transform themselves with makeup. Everyone became beautiful. Mm -hmm. And she loved the drama of it all. She loved the drama of the circus, and she just felt at home there. And Mm -hmm. she says of herself, 
Drama was my brain food, like water and air. I needed it to survive. Um, I feel like we can relate to that. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, like, we don't perform in a circus, but we have the same feelings, I think, of, of a show, watching a show come together, because it's so different being in rehearsals and watching everyone just, like, in sweats and stuff doing the show, but then when you put the costumes and the makeup and the lights and all that stuff. And, and it's it, high like, stakes. Yeah. You know, it's all <clears throat> high stakes, especially... I don't think people realize like how life and death a lot of things were as a circus oh, performer. One thousand. It was all high percent. stakes. Yeah. I don't think she means. Let's specify. I don't yeah. think she means drama like no, 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 like no. catty little right. petty fight drama. I think she means like, no, like the this, edge of your seat. The like, edge oh of my your God, what's seat. Gonna what's going to happen? You're constantly like picking up and moving somewhere and setting up and mm-hmm. picking up and moving and setting up. Like mm-hmm. it was just this whirlwind. Yeah. Exciting experience, experience for her. Mm-hmm. So, during the summer, Victoria's family, I think this is really cute, they would always mm-hmm. eat family dinners because, you know, her grandmother and her grandfather were traveling with them, mm-hmm. so her grandmother, being the Italian matriarch uh-huh. that she was, would make those big <laughs> dinners for the family. Love that. And they all traveled the country together. It's such an interesting and fascinating childhood, and reading her biography, she goes into the social climate of the circus mm-hmm. and how everyone interacted, and it's really interesting and I won't go into it because it'll take a lot of time to yeah. describe. But, for example, she said that, you know, you would bathe in a bucket of water. Mm-hmm. And people would get really protective over their bucket, bucket of, water. of water. Like, it was a big thing. Yeah. People were not supposed to touch your bucket of water. Right. So, it's just it's just really fascinating to read yeah. about all of it. So, if you're interested in learning about all of the social cues and rules of being in the circus during this time, definitely check out her autobiography. It's called Spangles, Elephants, Violets, and Me. So... Um, it's also literally the only source of information on her. On her, yeah. Yeah, I could not find a single article. Hmm. The only thing I could That's use is was her, her was her autobiography. Oh. In 1947, Victoria returns to the boarding school. She has an awful year, and by awful, I mean a nun committed suicide by <gasps> jumping from a bell tower. Oh my god! So for anyone, but especially a seven-year-old, like that's pretty traumatic. Yeah. Luckily, also is, interesting. Yeah. Luckily, like, this is also her last year at that school because this is her family's last year with the Cole Brothers Circus. After this year, Victoria goes to live with her grandparents in Sarasota because they decide to not travel with the circus anymore. Mm-hmm. And she attends the out of door school, which was known for an innovative and flexible approach to education, which for a child who was raised in the circus uh-huh. is perfect. If Victoria loved the circus so much, why didn't she travel with her parents and just like get homeschooled? So Victoria's dad felt it was really important for her to get a formal education. He hadn't. He was really Mm self-educated. His family had educated him. Impressive, considering he spoke five languages. Mm -hmm. But he really wanted his children to have that formal education that he didn't have. So Victoria lives with her grandparents, and while she's living with them, in 1948, her family sets out to start their own circus. They partner with the King Brothers, and they start the King Brothers and Christiani Brothers Circus, which was located in Macon, Georgia. Georgia. The five years that they spent with this circus, Victoria remembers is some of her happiest and most memorable years. She loved Macon, and she really enjoyed observing the Southern culture. It's got to be so different for her. So different, and just like this, she kind of describes it as like this self-imposed sophistication (laughs) Uh and all this stuff, and just like the air that these ladies would put on, and just Mm -hmm. the personas everyone would adapt, which like growing up in Southern culture, I get it, you know? A hundred percent. The little old ladies watching the search were like <gasps> clutching their pearls. Exactly. Like, like she just really enjoyed watching this culture when the yeah. family was 
in Macon. And so she really, she learned from it. You know, these are her formative years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in 1953, the King family and the Christiani family, they decided to split. I believe it was because the King family may have been cooking the books and her family was not happy about it. The Christiani family, they bought up a bunch of property in Sarasota and they spent a lot of their money. They were pretty wealthy at this time. But then a few bad financial decisions happen and the family is pretty strapped for cash. Okay, so what does that mean for the circus and like what happens after they lose all their money? Yeah, it basically means it's like, okay, what do we, what do, we do? Like, what do we do now? How do we make money? Mm-hmm. We don't have any. Circuses are waning in popularity. So right. like, what's our next step? And during all of this, Victoria is bouncing around schools. She goes to a boarding school in Macon. She goes to one in Tampa. So really, I feel like for her, the one consistent in her life is the circus. Like, this is her home. This is the thing that makes the most sense to her. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is her... It's her security. It's which her is security blanket. Weird. Is this dramatic, yeah. high stakes right. environment? So, following the icky financial situation, the way they decide to get out of it is they decide mm-hmm. to go and tour Alaska and to do their act there on the Great Alaskan Tour. Because, mm-hmm. first of all, Alaska is not part of the United States yet. They joined, I believe, right. in 1958. So, this mm-hmm. is, um, I think it's before, they start doing this maybe four years before Alaska uh-huh. becomes Comes a state. state. So, they felt that there hadn't been a lot of demand in Alaska for circuses mm-hmm. or a lot of exposure. So if they were to go, the demand for their acts would be high. Right. And they were right. Now, this was an over 3,000-mile journey that Victoria made with her family. Mm-hmm. All of their animals and their entire circus. So it's like this huge caravan. And mm-hmm. to me, this just speaks to her resilience. You know, they had to bathe in buckets. They had to endure mm-hmm. crazy weather conditions Comfort was not a priority, and Victoria, I mean, she's tough. Like, I don't think I would be able to do 3,000 miles worth of that. No, absolutely not. I mean, I'm a spoiled rich kid, so I I wouldn't know what to do. I'd have no desire. But. (laughs) I'm not a spoiled rich kid, but I still have no desire. (laughs) Yeah. At all to do that. But it's a success. And after the Alaska tour, the family continues touring the country with what was known as one of the most beautiful big tops like it was iconic it was gorgeous and the troupe at this point doesn't include just their family members they have loads of different people and different acts Mm -hmm. they have clowns trapeze artists elephants equestrian acts people being shot out of cannons it's truly an amazing elaborate (laughs) production with so many different elements and i mean the christiani family knows circuses like it's what they do yeah so my question for you like this is their family business (laughs) mel if you could start a family business what would it be? So, actually, I have a perfect answer for this because ben and I, because Ben and I have been talking about wanting to do this anyway. Like, it's probably going to be, like, our retirement plan, mm-hmm. or if we get to do it before, that's also great. But Ben and I want to develop Wrestle Bar. So, it's a bar. Because, you know, you go to bars and all of them have, like, sports playing all the time. Like, and they show, like, all the major baseball, football, mm-hmm. basketball games. But there's nowhere that shows, like wrestling pay-per-views so we want to have a bar where our main thing is like wrestling pay-per-views and like even when there's not anything going on we're playing like old school wrestling on all the televisions nice. and like yeah. and even have a space dedicated where we have an actual ring where we can have like live performances of of wrestling and like all of our all of our like menu items will be like like the macho man nachos oh my like, god <laughs> or like yeah you know like yeah. all of it will be like 
Undertaker themed or like whatever. Oh, that's funny. So yeah, I can totally that- see you guys doing that. <laughs> he would run the back of like you know the kitchen and all that stuff, make the menu. I would run the front of house yeah. stuff, and yeah, it work out. It makes sense. It, yeah. it makes sense for you too. Yeah. What would you do? Well, I mean, my husband already works for a family business. Oh yeah, he works true, for his family's accounting firm. <laughs> um, but me personally, I would love to open a bookshop. Oh, I would love to cute. open like a little bookshop. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like tea, like coffee and tea, <laughs> and a cute little kids section with mm-hmm. kids books, and you know, I just, I just love that environment. Mm-hmm. You know, you can feature local artisans and mm-hmm. and all that kinds of stuff. So. So my dream job mm-hmm. would be opening my own little, my own little bookshop. That's cute. Yeah. That's what I would do. But we're going to pick back up our story with Victoria. Yes. <laughs> and she's 18 at this time. So at this point, Victoria wasn't really performing yet. She was involved in the circus and she right. was helping, you know, she, she had been since age six, but right. she wasn't like an act right. in the circus. But she had this feeling inside of her that her time was coming, and it eventually does. So mm-hmm. the public interest in the traditional circus, it was really waning. Yeah. And the family was again hit with financial strain. Mm-hmm. This caused a lot of fighting and turmoil in the family, and mm-hmm. Victoria was acutely aware of this. But the family refused to give up, and they traveled to the West Coast, where they have an incredibly warm welcome, and they're really successful. So Victoria at this point has started getting involved. She's doing an act with the elephants. She performs various tricks with them. Her Mm -hmm. family has five elephants. Their names are Christy, (laughs) Carrie, Babe, Emma, and Shirley. These are the the elephants that her family owns. owns. But there's also other elephants Mm -hmm. that they work with. For example, one of them is named Mary, which you'll hear about Mm -hmm. Mary a little bit later. And Victoria truly, truly loves these elephants. And she speaks so fondly of them in her book. What's really interesting is the way she describes the social hierarchy of the herd. Uh-huh. Like, they, each one clearly has a personality, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's a leader, and mm-hmm. it's just a very... It's funny. Very interesting. <clears throat> I know there's a lot of controversy over animals, mm-hmm. and especially elephants and in the circus and their mm-hmm. treatment, but from what I can tell, these particular elephants were highly loved and mm-hmm. very, very well tended to. So, Mel, I'm going to ask you to read what Victoria says of her family's elephants. Okay. Quote, The Christiani elephant herd was distinctive in every way and were known in the industry to be the best-natured herd in the business. Their exemplary behavior could have been in part attributed to the fact that they were handled in a rarefied, gentle fashion with maximum care. Daddy and those mammals enjoyed a priceless bond. So, I mean, her yeah. father truly cared for the animals, animals. and made sure mm-hmm. they were well-tended and, and looked after. Yeah. And the tricks that Victoria performed, they required real trust. She would do the lay-down, which was a trick where elephants would literally, like, get on all fours and mm-hmm. crawl over her. She would Ooh. do high-speed twirls with only her wrist in a loop attached to the elephant's harness. Ooh. And then she would do these swift-lifting front leg and freestanding head mounts. Victoria says of this, Quote, though I tried to discount the danger, I lived with the real possibility that even an overcautious elephant could lose balance and unintentionally scrape or crush a vital body part, end mm-hmm. quote. During one rehearsal, an elephant named Mary barely pressed down on Victoria's knee when crawling over her, but Victoria's knee immediately bruised and swelled up to the size of a melon. Oh, God. When Victoria was 19, 
Elephants got new harnesses that are more glitzy Mm -hmm. than functional. Now, these tricks are already dangerous enough, but add in another unsafe element. Victoria was inevitably headed to disaster at this point. Okay, so what happened? At this particular performance, Victoria was distracted by a boy. Mel, you'll love this. (laughs) Benny. Ah! He worked on the circus, and Victoria (laughs) and Benny had one of those cute little flirt-from-afar relationships. Mm -hmm. Like, smiles here, little comments there, making sure you looked fine as hell when you walked by. (laughs) Those types of things. So Victoria (laughs) is really distracted before the performance by her blooming romance with Benny. Like, she felt amazing. She was wearing her mm-hmm. new costume, which was a black and bronze leotard with leopard print trimmings. Ooh. And just the overall environment. It was a huge show. Mm-hmm. So about 70 minutes into the performance, it was time for Victoria to go on stage. As she was waiting to go into the ring, Victoria started having... Uh, these are my words, but based upon yeah. how she described it, something similar to a, a mild panic yeah attack Mm -hmm. uh there's lots of lights there's lots of celebrities it's a press show so all of the Mm -hmm. press is there so with the celebrities in the front section and a crowd that was electric with excitement right they had been pumped up for Mm -hmm. 70 minutes it hit her that everyone was going to be watching her so her mind was not Mm -hmm. where it needed to be victoria clearly recalls entering the ring and when she went to mount the elephant mary via her trunk mary looked into her, her eyes and gave her this look that she realized later was like a warning mm-hmm. that something was going to go wrong. Like the elephant was trying to warn her. Yeah. That, that it was like something's not on right something's, or something's off. Like the elephant yeah. was trying to let her know that something was off. The two of them then attempted a move that had to be executed with exact precision. Mm-hmm. Mary was galloping around the ring and basically had to throw Victoria up onto her back. And then Victoria would sit, like catch the harness and sit on her. Mm-hmm. But Something went wrong, and Victoria barely was able to grasp Mary's harness. Remember those glitzy harnesses I was talking about? Well, Victoria struggled to hold on, and she was grasping it so tightly that the blood from her hands was streaming down her hands and arms. She was about to slide off, and Mary threw her 20 feet over the side of the ring. Victoria's ankle hit a metal stake that was holding the ring up, and it shattered her ankle. Her injuries were absolutely grotesque. Oh, my God. But Mary saved her life. Had Mary not thrown Victoria off of her and out of the ring, Mm -hmm. Victoria would have fallen and been trampled to death by the other elephants. Oh, my God. Mary was like, no! Right, like, Mary knew that if, okay, if she falls off of my, because elephants are so wicked smart, smart. she knew Mm -hmm. that, like, if she falls off of my back, she will get trampled by the herd, so she threw her her out of the line of fire. Which, like... Yes, her leg was severely injured, but... Yeah. But she's alive. She lived, right? She <laughs> right. lived. And I just... I just love elephants. Wow. I think they're one of my favorite animals. I my think mom they're amazing. Loves elephants. Have you ever been to my parents' house? It's like, elephants. Yeah. I was, <laughs> when I read that, I was like, oh, yeah. yes. So like, Mary, yes. Mm-hmm. So Victoria wound up having a leg that was broken in seven places, and it required serious surgery to fix. Mm-hmm. Her entire body was just covered in black and blue bruises. I mean, she was thrown 20 feet by an elephant. Mm -hmm. This experience was really hard for her because Victoria really cared about her appearance. Remember, she was fascinated with makeup when she was little. Uh And she couldn't take care of her hair. She couldn't really bathe. Like, she was bedridden. And Mm -hmm. so it was really hard for her. And I understand that. I would feel the same way. At the same time, though, there was also a small 
A small little light. Two days after her accident, Benny also suffered a horrific accident. He was part of an equestrian act, uh-huh. and he was performing a trick, and basically he was standing on a horse, and his face got caught by a wire, and it, like, oh. ripped his skin Ooh. off of his face, and it was described by oh. audience members oh as God. absolutely grotesque. No. So Benny was also taken to the hospital. <laughs> it got to be injury buddy. Well, the same hospital as Victoria, <laughs> and he was on the floor under hers. Mm-hmm. So he started sending her romantic notes, oh God, and he was occasionally so able to visit her bedside. Now, eventually, the Cristiani family had to face the dwindling money and lack mm-hmm. of interest in the circus. There was a lot of conflict within the family. Yeah. I mean, it's brothers running a business and sharing money. It's not right. easy. Right. And eventually, the act breaks apart. Victoria's father continued to care for his elephants. Uh, he took care of them. He would contract them for movies and different mm-hmm. events. And and the way I know he really cared about them is he refused, you know, they were financially strained. Right. He refused to sell them to, to sell other them. circuses yeah. or to zoos he knew would mistreat them. them. Yeah. And when he felt they were too old to work, he retired the elephants to a reservation in Georgia so they could live out the rest of their natural lives. Mm-hmm. On this reservation. Victoria also retired from the circus. And from what I can tell, mm-hmm. it was after her accident. She now lives in Orlando, Florida with her dog and her <laughs> husband, Ben Rossi, a.k.a. Benny. <laughs> That's so cute. Isn't that the cutest little love story? <laughs> like, I'm not crying. You're crying. My thing is no, like how... Really cute. <laughs> first of all, the fact that she did this and then she had this injury and it led to this amazing love story. Like, right. The fact that it is all you movie. can find her on her is, is her autobiography, movie. like, yeah. blows my mind. That's all you have. Yeah. But she clearly is such a fascinating person. Also, yeah. she you can tell she's so smart because mm-hmm. her book is so like well-written. Well it's just, like, the rhetoric mm-hmm. is beautiful. Yeah. So that is wow. the story of Victoria Cristiani Rossi. Love her. Now, please, please, please... We love you all. Please like, subscribe, leave us a friendly review so we can keep making these episodes and telling you these fantastic stories. Yes. And share us with all of your friends and uh, stay true. Our source today was Spangles, Elephants, and Me by Victoria Christiani.